welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. Or should we say, those spooky places. Those spooky places, indeed, because this is yet another Halloween episode. Yay, it's Halloween time! Our favorite time of year, Halloween. Halloween is as such an important, uh, it has such an important impact on themed spaces. I mean, like, we're, we've got a couple of great uh, theme park field reports that we're going to share today, but we also kind of want to talk about what Halloween does for theming and, like, where the theming of Halloween comes from and how to read that and and what it means for us kind of culturally speaking. Uh, so this is really going to be an exciting episode, Alice. Yeah, it's going to be really good. So uh, let's start with uh, Halloween in general and uh, the origins of some of the really iconic imagery that comes along with it. Yeah, uh, So so Halloween kind of started as a... Uh, harvest festival. Uh, it's widely believed that Halloween traditions uh, started a, as a Celtic or Celtic, uh, Celtic, Celtic harvest festivals, um, particularly uh, a festival known as Sawain. Am I pronouncing Samhain. that right? Sawin. Sawin. Uh, and and Alice, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I am an expert in history and uh, the history of Halloween in particular, um, and that I completely understand these old Celtic traditions. But a lot of these uh, things that we consider Halloweeny uh, kind of come from these old pagan harvest festivals that were, you know, over time kind of Christianized and then passed through the ages, which is, I guess, part of what makes Halloween feel so natural, uh, so so absolutely fundamental to our understanding of the cycle of the year. Oh, right. So so much of our imagery that we that we have this time of year uh, centers around uh, around things from harvest festivals and from celebrations like Samhain. We we celebrate things like. Uh, like crops and gourds we have corn and we have uh like rich foods and we have it's it it becomes like this celebration of the plenty that we get from a good harvest and um and in addition it also because it it falls in the in the season of of fall uh at least here in the northern hemisphere um fall is is the it's the end of summer and the beginning of winter where things start to die, where um, where trees start to change, the weather starts to get colder. And it represents to us the ending of a, of a year and um, and this like last celebration of plenty before we buckle down for the winter. And um, and it, it can represent a lot of things to a lot of people, including things like like death and dying and catharsis and this um, and and this this feeling of of uh, of closure almost for for the year. Yeah, and that's that's kind of an interesting concept because we think of winter as the end of the year, right? Like the darkest, longest nights of winter are kind of how we close the year and uh then the you know calendar starts over and it's january again and then the days progressively get longer until eventually it's summer 
Um, but the the thing, Alice, that I find interesting is that we consider Halloween this this very death centric holiday. There's a lot of uh, connection, not necessarily to spirituality in like the religious sense, but kind of a spiritualism, like this idea that the spirits are around us and that they kind of come out to play on Halloween. And there's connections yeah. to lots of other um, historical traditions that kind of place that sort of thing in the fall months. Um, and- right. It, 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 it partly comes from the, the connection to the Christian uh, celebration of All Souls Day, um, and uh, which has become... Uh, which has changed places uh, in the calendar year over the course of the last couple of millennia, which is why um, we get this narrative that uh, Samhain and other festivals like that were turned into All Souls Day uh, as part of the Christianization of pagan worlds. And and so those holidays being so intimately tied together um, are where where we get some of that idea. Right, and, and it's... It's an interesting phenomenon because it's not... Fall is not the time of the dying. It is like the time of the beginning of the dying, if that makes any sense. <laughs> and I, I don't mean to be flippant about it, but uh, early early pagans would have been not struggling as fall began. The struggle would come later. Um, so to kind, of, to kind of preempt the struggle and the, and the death, uh, that winter can bring with kind of a celebration that is very focused on kind of spookiness and spirits and things like that uh, is is kind of a, a weird human phenomenon. It's this it's this thing where you want to kind of get it all out of your system and maybe even kind of laugh at it or maybe laugh with it, uh, acknowledge that winter is coming and that hardship and death may come with it. Um as kind of a preparation for that reality by kind of saying, but haha, it's, it's happening now for us and we're having fun with it. Um, <laughs> we beat you winter. We, we, it, we gained the system. Yeah. It's like taking control of your own destiny of your own feelings. Like, like we humans will always find a way to celebrate. Yeah. Because uh, that's who we are. Even, even if the thing that, we have to look forward to is grim we'll we'll find a way to make it fun um and i think that's a big part of what makes halloween so enduring is that like yeah winter is kind of less of a big deal um in terms of like survival but winter is still tough in many other ways and halloween kind of feels like a last great shake out of of the fun summer stuff so that we can prepare to buckle down for winter uh we say that here in california where we don't really experience that severe of winter well alice here Uh, here in the uh the great wild north of the bay area california uh (laughs) it does indeed dip towards 40 degrees fahrenheit oh no i know alice i once woke up with a, a bit of frost on my windshield and had to wait two minutes for it to defrost oh goodness it was indeed a difficult time (laughs) <laughs> but despite the fact that that we don't personally understand ancient hardships and harvests and whatnot, we still maintain those ancient traditions and that cultural identity, at least here in the West, um, 
and 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 we spend an entire month of October dedicating ourselves to these ideas and this imagery. I know that I spent most of the m- month trying to uh, watch old horror movies that I missed in my life and um, and and try to inject a little bit of spooks and scares into my day to day life this whole month. Yeah, it's interesting because because of the uh, the sort of. Uh, religious connotations of original Halloween um, that we have kind of this highly secularized very uh, commercial and yet like almost just as important way of celebrating um, that includes subjecting ourselves to spooks and scares um, and and maybe even remembering old spooks and scares by like watching classic horror films um, and, and, and kind of uh, joining in a collective uh, sense of wanting to do spooking and scaring, uh, and spooks and scares is how we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, address them. I think, Alice, because I really like saying it as a phrase. Me too. Um, so uh, you know that brings us to kind of the nature of Halloween and and the current Halloween traditions that we observe and the sort of uh, contrast between Halloween and other holidays, because it's not as if Halloween exists in this vacuum. Um, Halloween is kind of the beginning of what many people consider the holiday season, um, in that it kind of uh, begins the long trek towards Christmas, uh, at least in the um, in the in the capitalistic sense, right? Like. On November 1st, out comes the Christmas decorations. We practically jump right over Thanksgiving. Um, But, you know, what is Halloween? What do we do on Halloween that's special and specific? And Alice, for me, the difference between Halloween and other holidays comes down to other holidays feel very private, where Halloween feels very public. Halloween, yeah, it's more of a social celebration. We go out, we knock on doors, we um, dress up and go to parties. It's it's a celebrate with your friends holiday, whereas Thanksgiving and Christmas are celebrate at home with your immediate family holidays. Yeah, and I, I think some of that might actually come down to uh, weather necessities and things like that, where Halloween might be one of the last... Uh, seasonably warm nights that we have before you know the onset of true winter um and and some of it may also come down to this idea that uh halloween is connected to the harvest festivals and kind of needing everybody on hand to get the harvest done and then you could party afterwards um but our current traditions kind of maintain that connection by saying Halloween is the one night of the year where you knock on strangers' doors. <laughs> I, like I can't, I can't imagine another holiday adding that as a component. There are other holidays that we have that have social uh, components, right? Like I'm imagining, at least in the United States, we have Fourth of July. There's a lot of going out where everybody else is and like watching fireworks. That's like a thing, right? We all grill maybe in a public place or a beach or a park, right? Um, it's not. It's it's diff it's different somehow. It's, it, it, it feels way different. It, Halloween's almost transgressive in how public it is. Like it's my house is going to be bombarded by a bunch of people who presumably live near me. I have no idea because I don't <laughs> go knocking on their doors regularly, uh, and they're going to be seeking candy that I hope I have at that point. Alice, I'm just remembering I haven't bought anything, um, <laughs> but like 
that barrier is going to be broken down. I'm going to clean my living room before Halloween because I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, it's it's surprising how those barriers come down, and we just accept it here. At least, again, here in America, we just accept it as this is the day of the year. This is the day where we get to meet everyone in the neighborhood, and and being outside late at night for children, for adults, for everybody is totally okay and acceptable. Um, but we, I, I guess because it's a, it's like a Halloween season because it's a harvest season or fall have stretched it to take over, not just the one night, but like, but, but for several weeks on either end where you get things like, um, like a harvest festival or a pumpkin patch or, a, a haunted hay rides or anything like that, that just pop up around your town as like many small businesses where you can just pay a little money to enjoy this, like um, this extra bit of social activity that is seasonal and, um, and important. I yeah. Think. I mean, I mean, we have, we have other things over the course of the year that are temporary themed experiences, right? Like uh, I imagine the state fair, uh, the local carnival, things like that, where there there are rides and games, and it's kind of a, a festival atmosphere for sure. But but Halloween seems like a month ish that is dedicated to this uh, specific aesthetic that is fairly universal, at least nationwide here in the states. Um, that everybody kind of expects the arrival of these temporary themed spaces. And that's really unique. I mean, what other holiday has this uh, Christmas, maybe a little like with Santa Claus showing up at malls. Um, but that's, that kind of pales in comparison to the scale of what Halloween provides. It also is very uh, age specific. Like we're not going to visit Santa Claus. We, we grow out of that. Right. Whereas a certain Halloween experiences you're into as a kid, and then maybe you you're too cool for school as a teen. But now as an adult, you're getting back into them, like things like going apple picking or um, or or visiting a, 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 a theme park that's been themed up for for spooks and scares like all the major theme parks now have these Halloween events. And 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 those are very appealing to people of a lot of different ages, but we as adults can go back to these theme parks and, and enjoy them just as much as we as kids enjoyed trick-or-treating, for example. Yeah. There, it, it definitely feels like like the holiday, the one holiday I could think of off the top of my head that literally anybody can get into. Yeah, Halloween is very all-inclusive in, in a lot of different ways, and the way in which I think it is the most interestingly inclusive is the way that it says to its audience, which is all of us because we live where Halloween is celebrated, but it says to everybody, uh, be part of this in some way, either get spooked and scared or make the spooks and scares. And I think that's really interesting. Halloween's, uh, Halloween's, invitation is not coming from a central authority but kind of from the uh from the nature of the holiday itself 
it says like how into this do you want to be do you want to be an audience do you want to be a presenter and then what do you want to bring to the table so alice the story that i love to tell is when i was a kid there was a neighbor i had that would go all out like there would be a maze that they set up on their driveway with like pvc pipes and like and like trash bags almost i don't really know how to describe it um (laughs) but you'd have to go through the maze and then at the end of the maze which had like all sorts of spooky noises and flashing lights in it at the end of the maze there was the candy bowl but my neighbor had a gate in front of their house they were one of the only houses in the neighborhood with a gate and they would be dressed as like a specter and their hands would be on the gate and they'd be like floating there over the candy bowl and if you wanted candy you had to brave that spooky scariness um and and i always wondered like okay that's a lot right that's like hours of work and and a commitment to detail and to the spooks and the scares that is actually impressive and i've never been able to pull off that level of commitment to halloween but i always find it really impressive when people do not as a business not as a uh not as a way to make money or even to get renown, but just as like, this is something I'm going to do because it it's right for the holiday. It's what we do. We share the spooks together. And that's just that there's something really pure and like fun about that, uh, that no other holiday says you go out and share your Christmas tradition with everybody or like, right. Uh, it's because you're not supposed to invite people into your home for Christmas. That's like a closed thing. Halloween is open. Halloween is exciting. Uh, um, maybe maybe Halloween is also an invitation to act out our fears in a safe way um, and just kind of act along and be like, ooh, this is scary uh, so that we can we can laugh and pretend and, and have a good time while our real fears are kind of pushed to the back of our minds for this day. Right. For the um, day, we can be afraid of like vampires and and werewolves and monsters and and laughing kind of in the face of of actual scary things like death or or no really just death it's a celebration where all of the imagery is about death skeletons and graves and like all of all of this spooky scary stuff but that's not that's not the focus we're we're focused on the monsters and we're focused on the on the pumpkin carving and 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 stuff like that where death becomes just part of the narrative and yeah our real fears about real actual scary things just become part of the conversation for a day yeah and uh, we we make it part of the game and by playing the game we are uh freed of the stresses of the real fears yeah uh, so, Alice, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of the, the background of Halloween, the, the ways that Halloween is kind of celebrated on a small scale and the, the sort of tiny attractions that pop up because of Halloween. But now it's time to move on, move on to the real the, the, the real subject here. This is how this is do, a theme park podcast. This is a theme all. park podcast. And we got to we got to dive into how theme parks do Halloween. And I, I can think of no better place now that we've spoken of our real fears and death and destruction and uh, the hardships of winter. No better place to start than the magic of Disneyland, uh, which <laughs> seems incongruous with uh, this idea. Uh, I mean, honestly, for all of the spookiness that Disneyland has in its uh, attractions, such as the Haunted Mansion, um, 
it kind of seems like, wait, what? Like Disneyland <laughs> goes all out for Halloween? Why? Uh, it seems kind of antithetical, right? But uh, Disneyland is very committed to its Halloween attractions. Right. They definitely go all out for Halloween. They decorate the entire park head to toe in jack-o'-lanterns and ghosts and cobwebs. And they they really doll the place up to make it feel very thematic. You almost feel like even though you're in the middle of Anaheim, California, where it's going to be 80, where it is currently 80 degrees, um, <laughs> that you can, you are somewhere where where the seasons have changed and where maybe it feels a little cooler inside the park, yeah, a little it, it, chilly. It really is convincing. It, it does feel like California, Southern California especially, has seasons for once, um, <laughs> which is such a weird concept. But, uh, you know, Southern Californians have to manufacture this feeling. We, we don't get it naturally from the changing of the leaves. Um, so store-bought is fine in this case. Um, but, you know, what else do we have at Disneyland? We've got the reskin of Haunted Mansion discussed on our previous episode, which you must go listen to. It's a great episode. Um, and we've got a reskin of Space Mountain uh, that makes it uh, the Ghost Galaxy. Uh, we've got a reskin, uh, or not a reskin, it's kind of an addition to Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout that turns it into Monsters After Dark. Uh, and then there are some other small changes to like shows and attractions as well. Um, but the big draw is the trick-or-treating after after hours event, right? Yes, it's called Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. It uh, is an extra ticket to the park if you wanted to go. Um, but it includes uh, like games and activities and trick-or-treating for candy and treats for the kids. Um and as well as as park hours so you uh, the rides are all open so it's it and but it's open just for a few hours after the park closes to the public um and it is a as as it says in the in the title it's a not so scary halloween party it is the place to bring your children to go trick or treating and enjoy the holiday in a completely spook free zone a spook free environment the the only things that are perhaps more scary than usual are some of these reskinned rides um and maybe a couple of themed elements around the park that maybe make a noise or something um but overall this is a baby party for babies um (laughs) Uh, that I remember I remember attending when I was a kid, actually. Um, I remember it being kind of a big deal, actually, that we did trick-or-treating at Disneyland that year, um, which is funny because Disneyland was like this place that we just kind of hung out. Um, but I was very small, and I remember it feeling like perfectly normal. Like, oh, yeah, like here's all my friends, and they're handing me candy, my Disney character friends that I know. Um, yeah, my best buddy so- Mickey. <laughs> It was it was very familiar. There were there's kind of a more emphasis on the villains sort of thing going on where like you'll see a couple more bad guys than usual. Um, And that can be a little spooky, I guess, for the really small kids. Uh, But it's it's really it's Disneyland. Like, how far are they going to take this? Um, So they don't take it very far. Um, and, And that's an interesting way to approach it, because on 
the one hand the theming is so in-depth and it really does feel like fall and a harvest and all of that but on the other it's just not the place to go for your traditional spooks and scares you know we 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 know disneyland we talk about disneyland a lot disneyland's a great theme park but here's the flip side what sorts of things do they do at walt disney world where uh there's maybe more of an emphasis uh on the attraction side of things right so, disney world is more of a resort and a destination yeah, you could end up spending most of Halloween week there. So what are the offerings, right? So we have a very special guest who has just returned from the Walt Disney World. The Walt Disney World. <laughs> we have a very special guest who has just returned from a trip to Walt Disney World. Her name is Will Williams, and she has recorded an excellent field report for us. So, Alice, do you mind if we roll that clip? Roll that clip, buddy. Okay, here we go. Hey, buddy and Alice. Um, I love your show. And I was so happy when I saw that when I was posting about my first trip to Disney World, um, y'all wanted to hear from me about my experiences. I really wanted to take some audio in the park, but I was so tired and so hot uh, and very dying. So I I did not do that. But I am here now (laughs) to talk about my experience. So I am from Phoenix, Arizona, and Disneyland is my home park. I didn't go a ton growing up, but I started going pretty often in college and fell deeply in love with it. And what I love about Disneyland, um, and you'll hear this from a lot of people who go to Disneyland, is that it's very, very atmospheric. Um, It's almost more an attraction for me in itself than the actual attractions. I love being steeped in that world and in that whimsy. I will say that this is the thing that I missed the most when it came to Disney World. There were some parts that were really immersive, um, and I loved hearing your episode on immersion um, earlier. So I did see some of that, um, especially we went to the Pandora area of Animal Kingdom. That was incredible. Um, I will also say that we we popped into Toy Story Land, and I liked it. Um, I thought it was very, very cute. But I will say that Magic Kingdom um, and Disney World has a completely different energy that I absolutely loved. Comparing the two parks is such an apples and oranges uh, comparison. They're so, so drastically different. I didn't think that they'd be as different as they are, but I love them both um, to the extent where I am already planning (laughs) a trip back to Disney World. Um, One thing that I experienced that that I thought was really, really interesting um, was we went to the Halloween party. This was a huge motivation Um, in me going to Disney World. I have experienced Halloween at Disneyland before, but I've never been to the hard ticket after hours event there. Instead, I just went during the day and just kind of took the energy in. I think that that's the biggest difference that I can say between Disneyland and Disney World is looking at these two different ways of experiencing Halloween. So at Disneyland, for Halloween, I went in and pretty much my only goal was to ride Space Mountain because it's reskinned for Ghost Galaxy. Um, this was, I, I went in 2016, should be noted, um, and then to ride the Haunted Mansion. And I did both, but mostly what I wanted to do was walk down Main Street and look at all the shop windows. It sounds really dorky, and it is, uh, <laughs> but I love all of the meticulous 
details. And when you walk into Disneyland during Halloween, there is no mistaking what time of year it is. It is decked to the nines in Halloween, which I'm all about. Disney World, on the other hand, Main Street had the pumpkins and the decor and, you know, an, an air of like, oh, it's Halloween, but it's much scaled back. But the difference is their Halloween party had absolutely killer programming. So we went to the Hocus Pocus show, which I am in love with. Um, we were like right up at the front. It was amazing. It was so funny. It was so much fun. There were incredible fireworks. There was a phenomenal parade. It was so good. There was a flow all for the Haunted Mansion. There was like grave diggers and they had shovels and it dragged across the thing and sparks happened. God, I'm talking for so long. Anyway, purposes. <laughs> purposes. Halloween is the perfect distillation of the difference between Disneyland and Disney World. In Disneyland, all I wanted to do was drink in the atmosphere and drink in the details. At Disney World, all I wanted to do was to run around, ride so many rides, you know, maybe get some candy, look at all the merch, and take in all of the shows. It was a much more um, activity-focused experience than at Disneyland, where I was much more content walking around, drinking in the experience. Um, I don't know if that is interesting at all. But um, one thing that is interesting is your show, which I love deeply. So thank both of you. And hopefully um, that wasn't too long. And I appreciate you both so much. Okay, bye. Will, thank you so much for that excellent field report. Thank you, Will. Uh, you know, something really struck me about what Will was saying, and that is that yeah, Disneyland is kind of, we know what to expect from the Halloween party, and it's not a lot. So a lot of the times we'll end up skipping it because it, it again, is a baby party for babies. <laughs> but what do they offer at Walt Disney World? It seems like so much more and yet less at the same time. Right. It it seems to me that uh, having only really been to Disney World once, that as a destination, as a as a resort and a place for tourists from all over the world to go to, changing the park outright, just reskinning entire rides for four months out of out of time, like Haunted Mansion Holiday, just wouldn't fly. Some people save up for their entire lives to afford to take their families to Disney World, so you can't change anything that much. But they instead i think focus on 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 different kinds of fe like epcot throws so many different kinds of festivals over the year to keep it fresh but without actually changing anything right and there's this kind of attitude that like certain things cannot be changed they're too sacred so let's not mess with the overall look of the park too much to a degree where people are like uh, I guess it's always going to be in my in my vacation photos. It's always going to be Halloween um, <laughs> or, you know, I guess we'll never ride the real Haunted Mansion because we'll never be here again. Instead, there's more of a focus on like, what can we add on top? What can we add as well? We can add these big shows. Uh, we can add these uh, bigger parties after hours, but we can't really go for the change in theming that they go for in California where I feel like the, the attraction of the park, while it is a global attraction that does get many international guests, um, it, it seems a little bit still a little bit more focused on locals. Right. They have 
so many annual pass holders and so many people that return on the weekly or monthly basis that they can make that they can make those changes to keep it fresh the disneyland has spent a lot of time catering to annual pass holders um that they want to keep things fresh and new and change them up all the time for the return visitors um which is it's just it's really interesting to me how these two parks owned by the same company run so differently yeah they they truly do have their own identities especially when it comes to how they approach the holidays um and you know i'm not gonna pretend that i know exactly what the motivation is um over at disney parks and and what they're thinking but it does seem to me that disneyland feels it has the freedom and has the clout to kind of just be like we can do whatever we want uh we're disneyland like let's go for it whereas disney world is playing it a little safer it's a it's a very consistent holiday resort that you're going to uh, visit not as often, even though, yes, Walt Disney World does have its own army of annual pass holders. Um, it's more focused on the international crowd. And so that changes the flavor of the way that they engage with the holiday. So overall, Will, thank you so much for that great field report. And honestly, how could we ever know unless we heard from somebody else, like how exactly this works? We can't be visiting Walt Disney World all the time. So thank you so much for sharing your uh, trip with us. Um, shall we Shall we uh, move on to other theme parks and, and Halloween attractions? Alice, I think we shall. So we were just talking about how Disneyland is kind of a uh, more local attraction, but I'd like to go one level more local. <laughs> maybe uh, Maybe about three levels more local. Three levels more local. Uh, to talk about one of our very favorite places here at those happy places, uh, we're going we're going back to Knott's Berry Farm. Knott's Berry Farm is so fantastic, you guys, and I always get excited when we get to talk about it because that theme park has so much character. Um, and one of the things that makes it so unique, maybe not nowadays, but maybe maybe has historically made it unique, is the. Uh, Halloween overlay that it gets every year. Yeah, Knott's has been doing theming for Halloween since 1973. It it, it claims to be one of the very first theme parks to do a special Halloween event, where it used to be just like three nights at the end of the month, is now a full month affair called Not Scary Farm. Oh Get my it? gosh. I, I am so excited that it is still called Not Scary Farm. And uh, even, even after the Cedar Fair buyout, there was a period when it was known as Halloween Haunts, and that was how it was uh, advertised. Um, and some official materials still call it the Not Scary Farm Halloween Haunt. Um, but Scary Farm was such a stuck title that it uh, it went right back to being the official name of the event, which, we, yay. <laughs> we, those of us who were local, we never stopped calling it Scary Farm. I think the only people I know who call it Halloween Haunt or ever called it Halloween Haunt were people that worked there. Exactly. And and it would have been official terminology. It's, it's kind of like calling... Uh, it's kind of like calling Walt Disney World Walt Disney World instead of just Disney World. Right. Um, where it's something that we like say because we are we're told to say it that way. But not Scary Farm is this local colloquialism that uh, eventually won. And I yes. love stories like that. 
Um, so Alice, you went to Knott's Scary Farm. I did. I went last night. It is very fresh in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the one thing that you sent me while you were there said, I'm very spooked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I managed to get one text out in between all of my screaming. Just, I'm very spooked. Uh, Because I was. It's, man, talk about a full reversal from Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Not Scary Farm does not shy away from the spooks and scares. They do a full overlay of the entire park. They shut it down for an hour and a half after closing and reopen it, and you have to get a separate ticket, again, like like Mickey's. Um, And they reopen the park. All of the rides are running, but the entire inside of the park is now themed and lit to be the scariest thing. It's... It's so much fun. Uh, You can't walk, you know, 15 feet in that park without seeing an employee dressed up as some kind of monster jumping out of a shadow to to scare people. It's uh, they they have this one stretch right right when you enter Ghost Town where they've got this big, bright spotlight that is so bright that you can't see where you're going. And the whole like hallway is filled with fog and they just have people hiding in the fog, ready to just jump out at you and snap their fingers in your face or growl in your ear or something to scare you as you're trying to make it from one end of the park to the other. It's horrifying. And it was delightful. Yeah, it, it it's a it's kind of a, a tradition, maybe even a rite of passage. Um for teenagers to be like, okay, we're going to Scary Farm and we're going <laughs> to do all the mazes. All um, the mazes. And and there, once you, I remember when we went in high school uh, trying to put on this like, I'm too cool to be scared act. Um, and and <laughs> not just, me. I've always been a huge baby. <laughs> right, but you know, there's that, there's that, you know, uh, social pressure. Like, uh, no, I'm going to be tough. I'm totally tough enough to walk through these mazes and get scared. I'm not going to cry in front of my friends. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, that's not how it worked out for you. No. Um, but, you know, it's it's uh, so it's the combination of the overlay and then the addition of these new attractions in the form of the mazes. Right. Which are uh, kind of themed mini uh, scare haunted houses things. They're, um, they're like they're called mazes, but they're walkthroughs. It's they're a hallways. follow this path, follow this twisty, turny path through this very scary scene that we've laid out it's almost like a dark ride except you don't ride you walk where it's just show scene after show scene after show scene that you willingly walk your body through to get from one end to the other without crying or running through an emergency exit (laughs) and if you can't willingly make your body walk through it then you're stuck and that's even worse somehow Um, (laughs) so yeah it's 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 an exciting change to the theme park dynamic, right? Um, because we still have the, we still have the rides um, and Knott's Berry Farm has all of its roller coasters and its other various and sundry thrill rides. Um, and those are all slightly different too, or some of them are anyways. Right. Um, they change two rides specifically, um, they they do up for Halloween, do a little Halloween overlay, the Calico Mine Train and the Log Flume. So, so these rides do a little bit of an overlay on the inside where 
you where the the log flume, for example, becomes uh, the Halloween hootenanny, and it it is kind of a like a party type celebration added onto the ride with a little bit of spooks and scares. And at night, they add um, uh, employees like like members like. I keep wanting to say cast members, but that's what they call them at Disney. But I guess it's they're 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 the they cast, cast of Scary way, Farm. They? Now they're yeah. a cast. Yeah, you're right. So these cast members dressed up as various monsters do jump out at you and and growl and and scream and make scary noises and stuff while you're on this ride, which is normally just a log flume. Right. Um, and so, but that's I mean, but the rest of the of the park is just your typical roller coaster. Um, roller coaster park, except they do all of the like nighttime lighting all up in like red lights to make mm. everything look extra spooky. And uh, so we're riding Supreme Scream like normal, like we would normally do. And instead of the bright white lights up at the top of the the top of the tower, it's red and green, and it's it's eerie now. It's 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 becomes. Yeah, just a little bit more scary and themed. So you can ride these roller coasters. And I love I love roller coasters. And I demanded to ride a couple of, of roller coasters last night instead of just walking through all the mazes because I needed to, like, give myself a break from all the scares. <laughs> um, like I said, I'm a huge baby, but I was being a grown-up. And I walked through. We did six out of the nine mazes while we were there and nine entire mazes. That's a massive amount of of extra theme, extra attractions yeah, added it's to almost, this park. it's almost a whole second theme park on top of it all. Right. And some of the lines were kind of long and some of them we just walked right into. We stayed until closing. We we're there until one o'clock in the morning. At the end of the park, we just knocked out like one, two, three mazes right after the other with no wait time. Um, and to walk through the the, the, the like, maze itself maybe takes three or four minutes to walk through but it feels so long every, around every other corner is another scary scene or cast member jumping out at you and but they all have plots and to tell like stories to tell they're not just oh look at something gruesome but they're they're like giving you a story to follow uh one of them was the story of uh of you are on a spaceship with a with a crew and then as you keep walking through the spaceship the quarantine breaks and all of these alien viruses get out and the crew is is like at one point they had like a dummy body laying on the ground with like like alien monsters coming out of its belly like like this like a scene from alien and um and then in the next scene, you see that you see like a cast members walking around with their alien tentacles, like prosthetics coming out of their guts. And they're like, ah, oh, help. And, and so <laughs> you're you're and then they become full blown like alien monsters. And then they're chasing you through the rest of the through the rest of the spaceship as you're like as a couple of safe crew members are going, go, go, get out, get out, get out. Oh my um, God. And and so it's this like plot. It's a story that they're that they're getting you to walk through and experience, and um, and it's just really fun. <laughs> it's very scary, but very it's, very fun. It's funny the way that it it sounds kind of like um, 
you know, the usual story structure of maybe a dark ride um, where there's a couple of scenes that you are moved through, but the difference is the immediacy and the way that it's interactive because of the human element. Not interactive because of, uh, say, great technology use or interactive because, like, your perspective matters, but it's interactive because it's happening to you and other humans are making it happen. So it is a one-of-a-kind, one-time thing when you go through. I'm going to jump back a couple of sentences. Uh, Buddy, it's incredibly interactive, not just because of that. The tech and everything, and they literally had one. We didn't get to do it. The line was really long. Where the where they gave you like little laser guns, and it was like a game that you played while you walked through shooting these like targets and stuff on these monsters. And it was a literal interactive game with a lost state. Like you could like there was like actual danger feeling in in that. You could you could die. You could I mean, lose. you you could have not shot enough monsters, and then they were like, you know, like oh no, like the monsters, the the monsters are going to get you if you don't shoot them enough. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know if you got a score at the end or anything, but like if you weren't pr- playing the game, the monsters were chasing you and going to eat you. <laughs> like, wow. It's it's proper it's proper interactive and actually terrifying. Weren't you telling me about a really cool use of technology in in the uh, trick or treat house? Oh my gosh, I can't stop gushing about this. They gave us flashlights before we walked in, and these flashlights were like our only source of light through this entire haunted house, and it was structured like a typical Victorian haunted house. They had. Um, show scenes where it was like a little kid's bedroom with a bunch of creepy dolls on the wall, and, but like in Victoria, long Victorian nightgowns, you know, and they had um, a lady dressed all in black standing around like a, like a, like a pentacle and, and, and they were, they were doing like seances and stuff. It was very Victorian, very spooky, but the light in your hand was the only light. So whatever you chose to shine your light on is what you would see and if you were brave enough to shine it around the whole room you could see more scares and (laughs) but as you kept going the light the flashlight would flicker on and off and then in one of the rooms the flashlight became a black light it became a purple light and would illuminate like scary symbols and stuff written on the walls and, and a painting turned into a spooky painting when you shined your black light on it and it and then at the very end your flashlight became a strobe light which made walking really hard and then it vibrated violently in my hand as if it was like a don't go don't go like kind of thing and everybody else's lights were strobing at different intervals and stuff and and that went like like they use strobe lights all the time in that park so like if you were epileptic or anything like you you could could not go anywhere near not the best environment for those sensitive to light not very accessible um (laughs) but the strobe lights and everything and the and the vibrating and then somebody popping out at the last minute to scream in your face like was so it was so immersive and it was so so awesome it was it was incredibly immersive and detailed and high tech and like really truly interactive 
this like what you see is what you choose to point your flashlight at makes everybody's experience through that um through that walkthrough different i saw the lady the like witch lady standing around like with the with the with the pentagram drawn on on the ground and everything like i saw her but my fiance didn't because he was looking at something else in the room and oh my gosh that even makes it like more scary like she was there but he didn't see ah. right it was it was terrifying and so much fun and and i know knots isn't the only theme park that does this kind of thing uh universal studios and and um and and uh six flags and and uh, even smaller local parks will will do like even like smaller smaller than knots local parks will will do this kind of thing but there was something so incredibly charming about the not scary farm branding about how how everybody that works there is a local and they're really just kind of like local college kids or like um long time regulars people have been working there for like 10 20 years who just keep coming back because the culture of of working there and the culture of being at that park is so so fun and it yeah it, it just it has become so much a, a part of this area that we live in or that i live in you need to come back um uh it 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 takes this entire city this entire part of southern california and everybody's got some connection to it everybody knows somebody that works at at scary farm or or we all go once a year because and I haven't been for for a while, but I was like, I remember this being mad scary fun when we were in in high school. Let's go try it again. Let's see if I can be braver this time. And but and they change the mazes up every year, so it's like a, a I got to go back and see what new stuff they added and what ones they took out and and uh, which classics remain and if I can see the same monsters I remember from last year. It becomes like a like a game or like a collection that you you just it's so personal and it's so specific to this area of california it's wonderful other places may do it bigger with more budgets and more recognizable ips but for me not scary farm is the place yeah it just feels right um alice I think that means that our conversation about Halloween and Halloween's effect on theme parks and themed spaces has come to a close. I think you're right, buddy. Um, But before we go, we want to uh, send some thanks uh, to some some fabulous listeners and us most especially to our amazing contributor for this episode, Will Williams. Will, thank you so much for sending in that voicemail. It means so much to us that you listen and that you thought of us and uh, and that you wanted to uh, uh, add your voice to our story tonight. Now, Will Williams is a great friend and contributor, but also she is a pillar of the podcasting community. Uh, she writes reviews and news uh, she has a website. It's at willwilliams.reviews. Um, and Will Williams is spelled uh, W-I-L-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S. 
uh, and she does reviews of podcasts. Uh, she does a newsletter that you can sign up for. Um, and she's also half of the team of Tuned In Dialed Up, which is an amazing podcast about podcasts uh, <laughs> that I've recently become a huge fan of. Um, and she and Gavin, aka The Pod Report, who has featured on this podcast before, do uh, reviews of podcasts. Uh, they also do recommendations to each other. It is a very fun, punny, and yes, it is full of puns. Uh, <laughs> listen, and I, I giggle along the entire time, Alice. Uh, it is just, it feels like you're in the room, uh, just hanging out with your friends, just joshing about podcasts, and it's so good. Um, so, Will, again, thank you so much for that contribution. Uh, yes, yes, thank you, Will. I just wanted to sh uh, to give a quick thanks to to um, to Katie and Anne, and of course to uh, to Th Ponders, um, some of our our favorite listeners who have recently joined our Discord server. Wait, we've got a Discord server? We sure do, buddy. Those Happy Places is on Discord. And if you're interested in joining us in conversation right now, we're talking about uh, the conversation right now is about Universal Studios. Uh, but we have conversations about Disney and, and Knott's and other theme parks and also just some general muckery that you can join in on. Uh, you can find information about how to jump on our Discord on our Twitter accounts. That's right. I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne, and Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And I'm at Alice White, T-H-P, for those happy places. And if you do one thing this week to help the podcast grow or to tell other people about the podcast, let it be the Discord server. We really, really want to start a conversation with a bunch of listeners and kind of build this community of people who take theme parks not too seriously but more seriously as an art form and as a collective expression of culture than maybe other uh other people do so we want to we want to form that group of people and we want you to be a part of it absolutely but if discord's not your thing you can always find us on twitter we're constantly tweeting and uh, yeah join the join us the conversation there and if you listen to this episode and you liked it drop us a review uh, recommend it to your friends and uh, drop us a tweet. Say hi and let us know that you're listening. Yeah. Um, Alice, did you know that if our audience is listening to us right now, then they're probably also hearing our theme music? Our theme music, would that be called Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers featuring Phil Alvin? Why, yes, it is. Did you know that you could find the Feet Warmers at www.CaliforniaFeetWarmers.com? I did know that, but now everyone does too. Uh, buddy, how about any additional music for this episode? Ooh, Alice, I'm thinking if there's any additional music that the listeners heard, it was probably by Poddington Bear, and his work is available through the Free Music Archive, uh, www.FreeMusicArchive.org. Uh, Poddington Bear is an amazing, prolific uh, composer, and his music is available for free for podcasters to uh, make use of in their podcasts. So thank you, Poddington Bear. Yes, you make us sound real good every week. <laughs> so uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And buddy, thank you so much for doing this episode with me. Alice, thank you for going out and doing that field report, and thank you for being such an excellent co-host. It was very spooky and scary, but I made it through. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we hope you return to those happy places. 